You're listening to the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast with Karen McMahon. We invite you into a journey of healing and personal transformation that will radically change your divorce experience, heal your heart while refining your character, and enable you to be effective and feel empowered as you navigate the practical and emotional challenges of divorce. There are some decisions that you can make that can set you up for success. And I will tell you the number one thing um, that you have to make a good decision about that's going to impact the rest of your life is the housing cost. And this is a tough one. Understandably, this is a tough one, especially if you have children and you want to make sure that those kids have you know, a space that's, that is their own or, or somewhat their own. Um, but your, your rule of thumb is really you should be spending no more than 30% of your income on housing. Embarking on the journey into the next chapter of your life after divorce is often met with a mixture of excitement and fear. Everything is affected. Transitioning home and career, managing your finances, parenting as a single mom or dad, and managing the emotions around step-parents in your children's lives. The world of online dating, reconnecting with who you want to be in this new chapter of life, and finding your passion, purpose, sensuality, sexuality, and so much more. Tune in as we speak to the experts in every area of post-divorce life and support you to enter and navigate it as an adventure with a growth mindset and a heart of possibility. In today's episode of Getting Your Financial Ducks in a Row, we invite you to master the art of budgeting and saving so that you're set up for a more successful post-divorce life. Today's guest is Stacy Francis. She's the founder of Savvy Ladies, which is a nonprofit that supports women in becoming financially independent. And she's the owner of Francis Financial, one of the nation's leading wealth managers. Stacy beautifully guides you through how to budget and live within your budget. She highlights the challenges of effectively reducing debt setting up an emergency fund, and managing long-term savings and investments. Whether you have more debt than assets or you've negotiated a strong financial settlement, Stacy offers you specific next steps to solidify your financial future. A little bit about Stacy. She's a nationally recognized financial expert. She's completed the certified financial planner, CDFP designation, and comes with over 18 years experience in the financial industry. Stacy's a certified divorce financial analyst, CDFA, and a divorce financial strategist. She's also one of 20 of the nation's leading wealth managers on CNBC's Digital Financial Advisor Council. And she frequently appears in media outlets such as CNN, PBS, The Wall Street Journal, and USA Today, and us, Journey Beyond Divorce podcast. She also is the founder of Savvy Ladies. Savvy Ladies is a nonprofit 501c3 organization that provides financial planning education to women. This organization helps women across the spectrum of ages, life experiences, and income levels, and it helps them identify their goals make proactive choices about their finances, and lead richer, more rewarding lives. 
Savvy Ladies offers a variety of programs, including a Savvy Ladies Helpline, which Stacy mentions, Wednesday Wisdom Webinars, seminars, and an informative newsletter. And you can learn more about Savvy Ladies at SavvyLadies.org. So excited to have you with us today. Welcome, Stacy. Thank you, Karen. We are going to be getting our financial ducks in a row today. I think that's going to be so much fun. Yes, we are. And, you know, I know when I emerged from my divorce, um, life was so chaotic. And, you know, there's there's so much spending that happens during divorce. There's so many uh, changes that happen in terms of our financial picture. I personally ended up leaving with a lot of debt as well. And so... Let's start first things first. Uh, let's talk about budgeting. Yeah, budgeting, you know, and, and I, I always call it the, the B word. Um, but it, it, and the reason why it should be the B word is because it's at the beginning of the alphabet. You should be focusing on that first. You really should be. And, um, you know, really more so even for women who have been through divorce, studies have shown that women's a standard of living drops post-divorce. Um, and actually, I, I read an interesting paper called The Divorce Re- the divorce Revolution and showed that a man's standard of living usually decreases about 10%. But for women, it's nearly three times that, drop, drops down by almost 30%, their standard of living. And so what does that mean? Well, it, it means essentially that you have less income. And for many women, your expenses actually have gone up. So budgeting is the number one thing that you need to look at and and really getting a clear picture of what your new post-divorce expenses are and what your new post-divorce income is. And looking at them and seeing, is it enough? And is there a shortfall? And if so, well, we've got some work to do. Right. And you know what I love about starting there is, you know, with the work that me and my Journey Beyond Divorce team do, we always encourage people to focus on what they do have control over. And so Mm -hmm. when it comes to budgeting, it's like the numbers are the numbers for right now. Understanding them, working through them and seeing what's real is the most powerful thing you can do to begin with. It is. And I feel like there's so much that's out of our hands. You can't control the stock market. You can't control, um, you know, what what tax laws are going to be passed. Um, who's going to get, you know, who's going to be a newly uh, elected representative? But you can control within some context your spending, and so it's a really nice, at least for me, it, it helps me feel like I've got this. Like I. I may not be able to control everything in my life, but I can control what comes out of my pocket and make conscious decisions about that. And it's a great opportunity to not only see where where you're spending your money, um, but what I call the fritter factor. We all are guilty of this and frittering money away. And I took this opportunity a year ago to go through every single expense to see where my fritter fractor was. And uh, I know I can't say fritter fractor fast 10 times, but um, it was, it was really shocking to me, Karen, 
I was paying for magazine subscriptions that I hadn't read for years that were online that I didn't even know. Paying for a cell phone that we that doesn't even exist any longer. Went through our uh, insurance and saw that we were paying um, for very, very low deductibles, paying a much more expensive premium and found ways where I was able to cut our expenses very easily and without a whole lot of pain by $1,500 a month. That's pretty huge. And I know that if if I can do that and I have Fritter I know everybody else does. And so it's not about, you know, starting to live on cat food and, you know, really a, a life that you don't enjoy. It's about being smart with your money, where it's going and making sure that it's going to the, the, the places that that do give you joy, that, that really add to your life. Absolutely. I had a client once who would, who would come, to my, come to my office once a week and really struggled to pay her bills, but she always had a very large Starbucks coffee with her. And so what, what I realized, and in raising my now emerging adults, the same thing, it's like when you, when you bring your conscious attention to what you're actually spending money on, not, not the bills, right? It's like, we know what the income is. We know what the bills are for the most part, but then there's all the cash that goes out or not as cash these days, but as, you know, all types of electronic transferring of money. And uh, Dave Ramsey, who does financial Institute and talks about financial freedom, he talks about either, your money's controlling you or you're controlling your money. And that like really sat nicely with me because I thought, you know what? If there's not enough to go around, I certainly want to be consciously de- deciding what to do with every dollar. Yeah. Yeah. And there are some decisions that you can make that can set you up for success. And I will tell you the number one thing um, that you have to make a good decision about that's going to impact the rest of your life is the housing cost. And this is a tough one, understandably. This is a tough one, especially if you have children and you want to make sure that those kids have, you know, a space that's, that is their own or, or somewhat their own. Um, but your, your rule of thumb is really you should be spending no more than 30% of your income on housing. 30%. So everyone listening, hear Listen that. Listen to that. 30%. I know people spending 45, 50%. And can you give us just a little uh, information about where does that 30% come from? Why is that the, the kind of sweet spot? Well, there, it has, it's a historical number. It's something that um, mortgage companies will look at. Um, these are all the, the kind of the historical of where it comes from. But Housing is such a big proportion of your budget that if you go over that 30%, what it means is that you most likely are having to either cut back on other expenses or even worse, you're cutting back on your savings. Because the other number I'm going to throw at you, and I'm I'm glad that you're sitting down and if anyone's jogging, um, you know, doing something, driving, just get ready for this number. Ideally, you should be saving 60, you should be saving 20% of your income, 20% of your income. And if you're spending 40%, even 50% of your income on housing, 
you need a near miracle to be able to hit a 20% savings rate. Um, I mean, some people can do it, but trust me, the rest of their life, they, they, they are really down to the bare bones on the other expenses to make that, that 20% income. And I know that that savings rate is, a, is a, a really high savings rate, but let me tell you why it's so important. It's so important for women who are post-divorce because when you look at the look at the number of women over age 65 who are living in poverty, one out of three of those women is you. It's a woman who's divorced, has not remarried, living at the poverty line or even blower at age 65 and above. And no one wants that. We as women have to save that much more than our male counterparts. And post-divorce, we, we have less time to rebound. We have less time. And so it means that you need to be putting away as much as you possibly can. Understanding, of course, that you may not be able to reach a 20% of your income savings rate right outside of the gate. I get that. And so starting over time, and, and maybe you can start with 5%. That would be fabulous if you could do that. And then each year, raise it by maybe 2%. And as your income goes up, you give yourself immediately a savings raise as well so that it doesn't feel as, as draconian as it, it could feel. Um, and that's why it really comes back to, again, Number one, your spending is the number one most important thing. It's the thing that you have control over. Um, and then the next most important, to be honest, is your income. So I think that, you know, we could say that loosely we could categorize our listeners into those who um, are barely piecing things together. And, and that, was, that was me post-divorce. And then there are people who... Um, have the funds, uh, but maybe not the experience or the knowledge or the know-how as to how to do it. And so I just want to talk about those who are financially tight for a minute. Um, I left my divorce. I had $60,000 of debt. Um, I had two kids. I got a very small amount of child support and only on occasion. And so if I were listening to you right now, I'd be like, part of me would feel shame because I know for me for a really long time, um, keeping a, the, a roof over their heads, food on the table, trying to do yeah. as many school or sports activities so that they weren't left out of everything, you know, shopping at target, like really working it tight. The ability to save, um, was, uh, challenging would probably be a, a an understatement. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and yet you and I talked about emergency funds. So I want you to mention that too, because for me, that almost felt a little bit more tangible and, and with mm -hmm. a very good purpose in mind too. Yeah. Yeah. I can understand. I mean, uh, you know, listening to this, if you're trying to literally make it work and you have, you're living, you know, paycheck to paycheck or child support, spousal support to spousal support check. Um, I mean, I could understand you'd be pretty darn ticked at me and I don't blame you. 
because it sounds like I'm completely out of touch and, you know, very much so out of touch with your situation. And I do have to say that there are going to be times in your life where you have every intention, you read the information about what you should be doing and you just can't do it, right? I wish you could rub two quarters together to get three, but we know that that can't necessarily happen. So focusing on what you can do. And what you can do is you can start to build an emergency fund. And and if you have any savings that you're able to do, that's your first step. It's not into that retirement plan. It's number one, building that emergency fund. And I will say also attacking high interest credit card debt. Those are the two number one priorities for you because credit card debt puts you behind financially. And if you're paying interest rates of 15%, several women have come to Savvy Ladies, 29%, you're never going to get out from underneath that if you're just paying the minimum. And Visa, MasterCard, and American Express discover too, they're not being nice guys by giving you a low minimum monthly payment. It truly is a way to make you indebted to them and have to pay hundreds, if not thousands of dollars over time in interest. So that's a number one piece of paying that down as much as possible, rolling over to a credit card that might have a 0% interest rate for ideally a year, but reading that fine print too, because often there are fees to roll that over. And so it may still be worth it for you, but know and do it in a very conscious way so that you understand if there are fees that you're not surprised. And then look at for new purchases because sometimes new purchases on those 0% cards are at a different rate. And they might be at that 15 or even 20%. So getting really clear and uh, getting a copy of your credit report. And you can do that at Experian TransUnion Equifax. You go to annualcreditreport.com. That way you can get a lay of the land again of all those cards, what the current outstanding debt is. If there's any medical expenses that you didn't realize, um, possibly even in your spouse's name that's attached to you, that's really powerful. And getting that credit report at annualcreditreport.com doesn't hurt your credit score and it's free. So there's no, there's no negative. And once you've gotten your ducks in a row with paying down those cards and paying down the highest interest rate first, then trying to get as much money as we can into that emergency fund. Because what that emergency fund is, it is a teddy bear that will be there with you in good times and bad. And it's there to hug you when things don't go so well. Because instead of having to fall back on an American Express card, you can go to your teddy bear emergency fund and you can take from there. And typically you're looking at, you know, a three or six months living expenses that you, you want to have in that wonderful, beautiful emergency fund. And, you know, one of the things, the emergency fund, and I don't know that mine grew quite that large at the time, but 
what I realized was every, every crisis was also a financial crisis. And the emergency fund took the financial crisis away. So if, if my kid's car broke down, you know, then we had to deal with that. Or if they had an accident, we had to deal with that crisis. But the money was there. So it wasn't also a financial crisis or if it was health or whatever it was. And so for those of us who've lived in that that vice of being yeah. post-divorce, being financially very tight. I was always frugal and attentive, but but it was a tightrope. That emergency fund allowed me to put my head on the pillow at night. It allowed me to handle each crisis without it being a double crisis. Yeah. And, you know, when we ask women, what are they most concerned about? What keeps them up at night? Um, it's one of two things. But of those two things, it's money. Money is their number one or number two worry. And I will be honest, there have been times in my life where, you know, things have not gone well for us. We, we actually had to put our house on the market to be sold because we had a health crisis with my mother that we were paying for. My husband's job, uh, his income got slashed by 50%. And I was still starting Savvy Ladies and, and Francis Financial. And we had to sell our house. And it was a very difficult choice. And what's really awful is the only thing that kept us from not having to sell the house is that the health crisis with my mother was finished. Because unfortunately, she passed away. And so here we are, you know, it was obviously a very difficult crisis to go through someone that you love, um, but it became a financial crisis for us too. And I will tell you, Karen, experience, I don't even know how many years it took off my life, but having that compounded on top of it, wow, I was not at my best. Wow, I was not at my best. And you know, we, we, we talk about emergency funds, but it's, it's kind of like not until you live through a crisis that you really realize how darn important they are. Yeah, and, and I, I, I want to say too, just because you brought up the whole selling the house thing again, um, a house is a building. Of course, yeah. it has memories and it has all of that. But I, I had to choose to walk away from a be beautiful English Tudor, double dead end street in Grand Pool, gorgeous. And that decision, and I tried every which way, and that decision um, was solely based on the fact that if I stayed in this home, which was gorgeous, that I loved, it would be an anchor around my neck and I would go under. And, um, yeah. and I found a very modest home and, um, and very affordable within my means. And so those are such hard decisions. And so many financial planners that I've worked with have said that talking to their clients and saying, you know, you have to detach from the emotion of it to make the best decision. And so for those listening who are at, you know, in the middle or tail end of your divorce, and this is still on the table, like listen to what Stacy's saying, because these are going to be key decisions that, um, that have a ripple effect into the next chapter of your life. They really do. And, and of all the expenses, the one that has the biggest ripple effect is, is your housing. 
and and God forbid your medical if if you don't have the right medical insurance and um, haven't planned for that. So yeah, the, these are these are big things, and, and I I understand um, having to put the house on the market, and I was devastated. Had we had to sell it, I would be just as happy today sitting in front of you, Karen, as if, if you know, we had sold it or not sold it. I, I would be just as happy because ultimately, while houses are so special, and I understand that, but they can't give you a teddy bear hug in the same way your emergency fund can. Yeah. Just saying. <laughs> You know, and, you know, it's it's like no one would ever look at a piece of jewelry and and feel like that jewelry is going to save them. But somehow we attach that with with our homes, our houses. And, you know, the thing is, is that if it's something that is really a stretch for you and you're looking at the finances and, you know, with the mortgage and the maintenance and real estate taxes, it's going to be more than 30% of your income. You need to look at those hard numbers and think about it from also what would I tell my best friend? What would I, what would my financial planner tell me? And I think that part of it too, I used to sell real estate in a previous life. And one of the things I would say to people is you can't just have enough money for the down payment. The hot water heater can go, the, the roof yeah, can yeah, be yeah, replacing. Right? Like, so there's all of these really big expenses. So if you're walking that fine line to begin with, um, again, we're back to every crisis becomes a double crisis. So absolutely. We have a special gift for you. Whether you're still emotionally entangled with your ex or not, imagining and creating your life after divorce can feel surreal for some, terrifying for others. Fears and limiting beliefs around financial security, building new friendships, health and fitness, and even finding healthy love can interfere with your ability to create the life you desire. Journey Beyond Divorce coaches can help you get clear on what you want and the obstacles that are keeping you stuck and guide you in manifesting your ideal life. We're here to help you enter this new chapter with more confidence and enthusiasm with a free jumpstart call. Visit journeybeyonddivorce.com backslash jumpstart to book your call today. Um, You know, I want to cover so much with you, so I'm just going to scoot on. We do have our next show is going to be with someone um, on debt reduction, but I do want you to speak to that a little bit. And then and then I really do want to speak to those folks who where debt really isn't the issue, uh, Mm -hmm. just being new at all of this financial stuff is a big challenge. Well, sometimes um, there is debt that you don't even realize that that you have. Um, And so we talked about, you know, the the what I call scaffolding strategy of uh, pay off the credit card with the highest interest rate and and try and roll over to a zero percent. Those are all really important things, checking your credit report. But um, there's often a, a misstep here, particularly with with women who have gone through a divorce and they have not canceled the cards that they are jointly on with their ex. And so while they think that they're starting their life anew. Uh, they find out, unfortunately, 
that there is a credit card balance due to Visa that has their name on it because they have a joint card with their spouse. And the thing to know about these credit card companies is they don't care about your settlement agreement. Your settlement agreement can say that your spouse is responsible for any debt that they have incurred and that amount that you've incurred that you're responsible for. But at the end of the day, ultimately, whoever's name is attached to that card, that credit card, whether it be you or your husband or both of you, that's who they're going to come after. And we had a situation where the husband declared bankruptcy. So of course they couldn't go after him and went after her and she had to drain her 401k to be able to get this debt under control. It became very difficult for her. And this was debt that was actually created after the divorce. So that, that speaks volumes about, uh, the business of wrapping up your business after the divorce decree. And so, so, so many of us, right. It's like, we're exhausted. We're stepping off of the battlefield. We're ready to step into the next chapter. And I do have, um, I have some folks coming on to talk, talk about all of the business post-divorce, but this one, I think we can't highlight enough, which is to really go through everything that your name is attached to financially and make sure that you're severing those connections on every front. And so if, if I wasn't certain because my spouse was so in charge of the money, going to those credit reporting agencies and getting those reports is it right? Because if it's not on there, then then I'm good. That, that is your crystal ball. That is your crystal ball into your credit. And so that's why you want to go through that and really see, get your name off of any joint accounts uh, that are credit card accounts. And, And the same thing also with bank accounts, with savings and checking accounts, someone can always overdraw on a checking account and leaving you liable. And also don't forget your tax returns. Uh, tax returns, if you've signed a tax return and your name is on that uh, joint filing joint, um, or essentially, even if it's a previous year and your divorce is final, if there is a balance that has not been paid or is to be owed, um, the government is just like those credit card companies, doesn't really care what the settlement agreement says. They're going to come after you. And you can do what's called innocent spouse, saying you didn't know, you had no idea. Um, But I will tell you, Karen, that's not an easy thing to prove. And more often than not, the IRS will not give that to you. Um, They really want their money. And, you know, the IRS, I I, I say those for me are my three scariest letters because they want their money and they're going to come get it. Um, And you just don't want to be on the other side of that. So again, get your name off of any of those accounts. Uh, If you have life insurance, make sure you update your beneficiary, all the beneficiaries on your checking account, your checking, your your, uh, brokerage accounts, your retirement accounts, anything that has a beneficiary, you're also going to want to update. And of course, your estate plan too, your estate plan too. 
And then, so, and, and again, folks listening, we have, we have a, a, an insurance team coming on that's going to go into a deep dive, and we have a debt reduction team coming on that's going to go into a deep dive, uh, and, and Stacy's kind of get, giving us this broad stroke on some topics. And so, Stacy, I'm curious, as we kind of get back to those folks who have some money, the difference between... Uh, or the process and decision-making of going from being able to build an emergency fund to starting to build something bigger and invest. Okay. Like, can you just, can you just talk us through that a little bit? I love investing. And so every woman, wherever you are in your life, um, you need to start learning about investing because it's a way to make your money work for you. Like who doesn't want that? Can you imagine if you woke up one morning and your entire house was clean from top to bottom overnight working for you? That would like be my dream. Well, what if your money was working for you overnight too? That's what investing is all about. And so you, wherever you are, uh, how much you may have or may not have, get that money working in the market. And so the first thing you want to do is you want to make sure that you have the right asset allocation. And that is just a fancy cocktail speak way of saying, what percentage are you going to invest in stocks? What percentage are you going to invest in bonds? And, um, you know, a good, a good rule of, of thumb is that the closer to when you need to live off your portfolio, uh, the more conservative it should be. Most of the clients that we're working with um, that aren't going to tap their money and need it for another 20 years or, or more have about 70% of their money in stocks and about 30% in bonds. Bonds being essentially their, their egg, airbag to the portfolio and those stocks being the real engine. And as we get closer to needing to live on that money, it, it changes a little bit, maybe from 70% stock to only then 60% and then eventually 50. But very rarely does it ever make sense for a woman to ever reduce her stock exposure. We have amazing women in their 70s and 80s who have 50%, 40% of their money in stock because we're still planning for their future. And we need to make sure that your money is making enough money to number one, last you out to age 95, but also to support you as your expenses go up. And most people think that their expenses go down in retirement, but that's not true. They continue to go up because of inflation. And they also go up because our medical expenses, particularly for women, our medical expenses are more so than our male counterparts. And we are much more likely to need long-term care we are much more likely to use our Medicare insurance and have co-pays that go along with it. So um, making sure that your money is working for you in the market is, is really a must-have. And there are some women that will leave significant amounts of money in cash. And I mean more than that three to six months of living expenses, but maybe even a year or two years, I've even seen more than that. And while they think they're being safe, Karen, they're actually not. And they're some of the riskiest people out there. And we share that with them, which is a little bit of an eye opener 
because we show them how every day the money that they have sitting in that savings account, getting literally pennies each year in interest, is actually losing money. Yeah, that's actually such a great point. It's like too much cash is actually risky. It is, especially for women, because we need our money to work for us. And 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 I know that you know we are talking um, to um, the founder of Savvy Ladies. For you fellas out there, you know the same rules apply. I think that what we're talking about is uh, the balance is more. Uh, in the female need area, but there are those of you who um, who are emerging and you're in exactly the same spot. And so all of the same information uh, and the same rules apply. Yeah, they, they really do. Yeah. yeah. And I have to say, we have a good, um, a good amount that we can learn from, um, from the men out there. Men are uh, much more uh, involved in investing. They tend to leave less in cash so you don't see that as much. And so that's that's a really wonderful role model for us to have um, as women. And what I would just say to men, um, some men actually long-term though underperform a little bit. And that's because when we look at the statistics, um, men are more likely to do what we would call day trading, um, more money movement in their portfolio. And you know, you just have to be really, really careful because you're trying to time the market. And uh, it's very, 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 very hard to do with success over the long term. So it's really, you know, when it, when it comes to, I was just talking to my 24-year-old son who's playing, um, playing with that day trading, right? He's got a little spare cash now. And, and so we were talking about that. And, and, I, and I, who am not by any means a financial wizard, um, was talking about the long game and how yeah. important it is for him that if at, if at 24, 25 years old, he's ready to start like putting money away on a very regular basis, which I'm incredible. My heart is pitter pattering. I'm, I'm so proud of him. Uh, how you do it is as important as the fact that you, you can and you want to. And yeah. so, so I'm hearing that for men uh, who, who day trade, uh, but for all of us to invest in the long game and, you know, we had a situation where um, we had to take over and help mom with her finances. And uh, and it was being done on one of these kind of do-it-yourself platforms. Mm-hmm. And can you just talk about the value? Because because I understand it, but you'll, you'll articulate it so much better. The value of having a financial professional like yourself who, who who's on top of it and who knows... Um, supporting people because I think people tend sometimes not to do that because of what it costs. But yeah. to me, it seems like another investment as opposed to a cost. Can you just yeah. speak to that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, I, I think about this uh, with regards to my personal trainer. So I have a personal trainer and I I don't like paying for a personal trainer, but I will tell you, it means that I get up and I actually I actually do it. And then he holds me accountable for the other days of the week. So now I'm working out four or five days a week and I feel great and it's worth it for me. For a financial advisor, um, you know, ultimately it's the same thing. They're giving you knowledge. They're holding you accountable. They're making sure that your finances are on track. They're being your team partner. And, 
you know, ultimately there's another piece that I think about it. I mean, yes, it's an investment, but whatever that financial advisor is charging you, let's say it might be 1% of the assets that they're advising you on, they better do at least 1% better in performance on your investments than you would do on your own. And, and that may not be a no-brainer. I mean, that it could be that you are a fantastic Warren Buffett-esque investor and you're phenomenal at this. So that bar is pretty high for them to be able to leap over. But for the vast majority of people who are not that person um, or just really don't want to spend their every waking hour doing this stuff, it makes a lot of sense because that person should be doing at least that percentage better so that they're not even a cost to you. And you know what you're really looking for when you're interviewing advisors is you're looking for someone who's going to help you, of course, manage your investment portfolio and grow your money. But, but you really want someone also to help you plan your financial future, your roadmap. Are you going to be okay out to age 95 if you're taking this much out of your portfolio and retiring at this age? You need them to do all those pieces. So you're going to look for someone who's comprehensive. You're going to look for someone who's a fiduciary. That means they're going to do what's best for you, not what's best for them. Someone that's fee-only, that's not going to charge you commissions and sell you insurance products that you maybe don't know about. And someone who's independent so that you're not beholden to just using products from one company, you know, investments from one company that you have you know, the world's oyster. And there are some great people out there um, and you can ask your friends who they might use. Karen, you can ask Karen uh, as well. Um, you know, and, and finding that right partner is 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 really helpful. Really helpful. Yeah, and and it's another piece to laying your head on the pillow at night and yeah. sleeping soundly because it's such a it's it's such a building block to the future that we're all trying to create and, and move toward. So, you know, we've talked about a lot. Uh, can you just share a little bit with our listeners um, about Savvy Ladies and what yeah. that offers so that they can, they can find uh, resources yeah. there? So there are literally hundreds of great resources for anyone, men and women, who want to visit the site. Um, we have over a hundred TED Talk-like videos on everything from your finances of investing your 401k, socially conscious investing, to top, top things you need to be doing with your money during and after divorce. Any topic you can imagine that even touches your money, it is there and it's free of charge and it's for anyone who wants that support. Um, and then we also have a beautiful helpline. It's the only helpline in the country where you can call um, and we will match you with a certified financial planner that is an expert in the area that you are calling about. And you get to work with that person for an hour free of charge to take that information, the books you might be reading, the videos you might be looking at, the podcast you might be listening, and really tailoring it to you tailoring it to you and answering your questions. And um, it's beautiful. And our biggest ask is that we want more, more women to be coming to that helpline. Uh, we've been able to double the number of women that we serve. 
And we want to continue to be able to do that every single month. Um, we have hundreds of volunteers that adore this work that really are on the face of this planet to be able to support individuals. And, and most of the people coming to us, they, they rightfully so have some big questions, you know, and I, I feel so blessed that they're there coming to us because um, we just want to help. We just want to help. It's such a phenomenal organization. Uh, myself and the team at Journey Beyond Divorce have been recommending Savvy Ladies. And it, it's .org, am I, am I? Yep. Yeah, so we're a 501c3, and um, it's a charity that I started 20 years ago. I was pretty darn young, but I was pretty darn um, passionate. Uh, I was 26, and um, my grandmother had passed away uh, because she felt financially trapped in her marriage and she died because of abuse. And that rocked me to the core and uh, gave me the courage to start a wonderful organization so that no one ever finds themselves trapped, whether it's trapped in a marriage or a relationship or a, a place where they're living that is unsafe or a job that they are being taken advantage of, whatever that might be. And, you know, Money, while it's not the most important thing in life, it is so important for us to have peace of mind, for us to have options. And so, you know, while it isn't the end-all be-all, it sure is for a lot of pieces of our life. Absolutely. And I just, I mean, I admire so much what you've done and Savvy Ladies, like I said, has helped so many of our clients. And for those of you out there, you know, you're on the other side or you're heading there and, uh, and, and, you know, the question, how do I blank when it comes to your finances? Savvy Ladies is uh, an absolute go-to. Check it out, SavvyLadies.org. And, they have, they have live webinars, they have videos, they have blogs, they have everything you could possibly need. I didn't even know about the helpline, so that's phenomenal to hear about. Yeah, it's been wonderful. And, um, you know, I, I, I also find the more that we give, the more we get. And uh, we have 50 programs that are live programs. Uh, we serve individuals throughout the entire United States and around the world. So uh, they're both pre-recorded and then live pieces too, where you can zoom in and ask questions of our financial experts. And, um, you know, our biggest ask is just letting more people know that we're here um, as a nonprofit. That's what we want to do is serve. And so um, it, it sounds like an odd request, but yeah, letting more, more individuals know that we're here to, to support them and serve them. Absolutely. And then for those of you who um, who did emerge from your divorce with assets and you're not quite sure um, what to do with them and how to manage them, Stacy, tell us a little bit about Francis Financial and how people can find you there. So I, I started Francis Financial actually after Savvy Ladies, and uh, we are a beautiful, the only independent wealth management Firm and our specialty, um, and you probably could hear it because I was talking a lot about women today, although we do work with um, some amazing men, um, but 70% of our clients are women who have gone through a divorce and are on their own or unfortunately their husband has passed away. And they are smart, but managing their money, investing, financial planning is not 
the thing that gets them excited. Uh, and most of them just really don't have time for it anyway. Um, because it do a good job, you, it really is a, at least a part-time job. Um, and so they come to us and they're looking for financial planning and they're looking for um, also their money to grow. And we have a specialty of what we call socially conscious investing and making sure that you're investing with your values, that uh, you are having your money do good in the world and making a lot of money from it too. And uh, it's a great, a great, great job. I have to say, I, I love my work because you, you really are helping and we have such great clients. Um, and so that's what I would say too, is that no one need to apply if you're not nice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because as you know, uh, you live life once and uh, we're so blessed. I mean, we we have really phenomenal, phenomenal people who are just great partners to work with and um, really are so kind and appreciative too. So it makes our work even better. Um, but yeah, if anyone's interested, they can visit the website. It's francisfinancial.com and um, I'll sit down for a consultation just to kind of get a, a temperature check of where you're at, what it looks like. Um, and if we're the great fit, that's great. But if not, I promise that we will steer you in the direction of someone that's going to be the best fit for you. Um, and we do work all over the nation, which is wonderful. Yeah. So Stacy's working with a number of my clients. Stacy and I know each other for a long time. Uh, the, the level of care and customer service, it's, it's almost like uh, you're you're joining their family, and so if you're looking for a place where you can really trust and feel comfortable uh, with someone managing your money, by all means, reach out to Stacy. She's a she, she's a step above. And uh, oh, thank you, Stacy. Thank you so much for coming and sharing your your wisdom and your guidance with us. Um, it's always a pleasure to have you on. Oh, thank you. I could talk all day, and this went so quickly and. Um, just I'm giving a big hug to all the men and, and women out there going through this that you can do it. You can really do it and just step by step getting those ducks in a row and you'll you'll look back in a year or two and and be so proud of what you've accomplished. Thank you. Stay tuned for the next episode of uh, Journey Beyond Divorce and our Life After Divorce series. We'll be back soon. Thanks for joining us on the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast. I hope you found guidance and encouragement to help you along your journey. If you like my podcast, please take a minute to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. You can also visit us at jbddivorcesupport.com, where our team of coaches support both men and women through our one-on-one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. Stay tuned for our next episode and I'll talk to you soon.